1: I'm
2: Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or robots and I'm here with N7 the legend N7 it's been a little while we took a week off last week but it's good to see you again how are you, how are you doing buddy I'm I'm well so I'm I'm now living in Seattle
3: I've moved I lived <laughs> my my <laughs> my goods were not hijacked by a scammy moving company so that's nice nice that's always um, good Yeah and so I'm settled in in my new apartment um it's smaller. I'm not sure if it is as soundproof, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some soundproofing. Uh, but I am happy to be back and live with more Mass Effect lore.
2: Yeah, man. I'm glad that the moving went smoothly. I was getting back from vacation last week. We were both kind of wrapping stuff up, and we were like, ah, I don't know if the episode's gonna work. Let's just let's just take a week off, take care of real world stuff. And now we're back, and we're fresh, and, man, it's it's good to see you again. I always, always enjoy chatting with you about stuff every week. But this week, what are we talking about?
3: Right. Well, now, you know, we went over the tech behind the guns. I yeah. think well, that was the last lore episode that we did. And then as we've been doing these alternating episodes, it's time now for another character one. Nice. Uh, I f- I f- so I found it only fitting that the character that would be following up the guns would be the would be one of the first squad mates we get and one who hangs out in the normandy's armory cleaning the rifles it is the sassy badassy with quite the fine (laughs) chassis the warrior poet ashley williams (laughs) you
2: just said that you just (laughs) you just said badassy and fine chassis Oh man. All right. So I, I am I am the poet, I guess. Oh god. <laughs> I'm the one that does the dad jokes. You're taking my job. Um all right. So let's get started. Let's uh, let's talk about her background. What do we know about Ashley's background?
3: So, we know a few things right off the bat. She's a colony girl. She was born April 14th, 2158. So, what that means is when Mass Effect 1 begins, She's younger than Shepard by about four years and three days. And for any astute listeners uh, or those old enough to remember this reference, wondering if I just intentionally put one, four and three in sequence to describe Ashley, you're right. (laughs) That was on purpose. That's because Ashley is my personal canon romance, so I had to toss in that affectionate note as we're getting started here. One four three, of course. One four three in old text lingo used to mean "I love you." Dude, you're super cheesy today.
2: (laughs) This is like
3: we're talking about Ashley. I'm gonna be super cheesy. This is the
2: this is the cheesiest episode we've ever done. Well, that's you know what? Somehow I didn't. I I don't know if you told me this before. This has come up before, but I didn't remember this. Um, we've talked about yeah. a lot of things. So
3: maybe I've held it close to the vest. I've, okay. I've, I've, I've tried to remain impartial, you know, regardless of my personal feelings toward characters. Interesting. But yeah. Interesting. But yeah, okay. this is so Ashley is my canon Mass Effect sweetheart. Oh. Uh, oh. That was, you know, back in two thousand and seven when I had started. Uh, yeah, I romance you <laughs> were a young man.
2: I fluttered her eyelids. And you, uh, you,
3: I was a hormonal away. teenager, <laughs> uh-huh. and I saw a human being um, <laughs> <laughs> who, who was romanceable. and I saw a blue alien who was romanceable for my for my broship, uh, and so I chose I chose to romance Ashley. But then, like you know, you get to know the character more and more, and and I just really. Really liked who Ashley was, you know. Mm. So that being said, I have a lot to say on this episode. That's so
2: interesting because I don't, I don't think she's like she's not one of the fan favorites for this. Not really, so, no. And yeah. and in
3: fact, there are some very specific reasons that that we'll get into. Um, this is going to be a two-parter episode. We're going to have two ashley episodes Mm -hmm. uh, and the next one might not come out until next week Uh, but uh, we'll try to cover what we can today and i'll try to retain the personality-based stuff for the next episode it's just the facts man just the facts just the facts yeah (laughs) exactly so (laughs) just the facts today uh more juicy stuff i guess next week but the facts she comes from a long line of service members in her family, which becomes a pretty integral part to her character, this tradition of, of military service. And you can tell that she internalizes this a lot because. Anyone who has talked with Ashley longer than like five minutes, I think, would realize that duty, responsibility to uphold the family name and the alliance name and honor and all these things, they matter a lot to Mm -hmm. Ashley. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she doesn't just talk the talk, but she tries to walk the walk too. So it comes as no surprise that she also joins the military when she finishes high school she she graduates and she immediately enlists with the Alliance Navy as a marine and I think we know a lot of people or at least I did growing up in the Midwest I knew a lot of people who had this kind of family background where their family was military and you know for generations and then they finish high school and they it's a very strong need that they feel to join
2: yeah yeah and it gets you know there's there's a certain pride in it there's a certain uh, I think there's also a certain temperament, you know, certain people, certain families have the right type of temperament for that. Right. Whereas some Definitely. people just don't. They just aren't. They're not made of that kind of fabric, the emotional fabric, I guess you could say.
3: Definitely. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to be military to feel that kind of familial pressure Mm -hmm. to go into the family business. Oh, sure. Um, Sure. Doctors, lawyers,
2: carpenters, like uh, whatever it is that you do. Oftentimes, if you've been doing it in your family for so long, it feels like tradition. It feels like somebody needs to take that up and carry it forward. Right. And I
3: think for people that are happy to do it, it probably feels like a fulfillment of identity. And for people that aren't happy to do it, it's probably more of a heavy expectation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's the case with Ashley. But I don't think that she regrets joining the military at all. Uh, I think she views this very much as a fulfillment of her duty. Uh, And, you know, then we can when once we get to, to know her more, those are some things we knew right off the bat. But then as you talk to her more, you learn things and we learn a lot about what her family was like, including we learn things that are so detailed, especially with Ashley that we didn't really learn with other characters, like, like super detailed things. Like for example, her father brewed his own beer and played the saxophone. And he was a, he was a service member in the Alliance as well. And her mother had a degree in planetary geology, but she had to give up that degree and that career. Uh, she, not the degree. I don't think they, they, they <laughs> didn't <laughs> give up to the, degree, the degree. But,
2: right. The, yeah. the career. The focus. She
3: she had to give up the career to raise a family with her father being away on long deployments. Which, if if there's any person who is the child of a military, uh, you know, parent, or maybe you are that military parent and you're listening to this, this one probably hits home because. That is so real.
2: Yeah, relocating Uh, every so many years again and again and again. It makes it very difficult for, say, a spouse to hold a position like that.
3: Yeah, of course. And, you know, in the Army, they call it PCS, Permanent Change of Station. Uh, and so it does happen, you know, every every so often, every every amount of years. And then and it's pretty hard on military families. You know, it's they have to mm-hmm. uproot themselves and then go to a new zip code and reestablish those roots. And while those roots are there for the service member, more or less, because wherever you go, the Army is still the Army. Mm-hmm. Um it is hard on the families. And I've spoken to a lot of families. You know, I used to work on a military installation. I've I've spoken to a lot of families and particularly for the spouses, it's pretty tough to have a linear career path.
2: Yeah, one of my Uh, closest friends uh, served in the Air Force for for years, he's retired now, and spent most of his adult life um, having relationships but never settling, never marrying and settling down for a very long period of time because of the difficulty in that because oftentimes the person he was dating just when it came down to it, they didn't want that lifestyle. And, 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 you know,
3: I don't, I don't, I don't think that many people blame them because not many people do want to have that level of sacrifice. Like,
2: right. Right. I know that he moved on, like he would move to a new place and he'd have to let go of that relationship and they would remain friends and things, but they, you know, deep down they realized that like there's a inherent incompatibility with their lifestyles. It didn't have to do with like personality, not meshing, you know,
3: Right. And and so I think, you know, even though Ashley wasn't a spacer, I think that she had to, uh, you know, she was a colony girl, but she still had the effects of that within her own family. Uh, And even so, it appears that Ashley was much closer with her father uh, because she quotes his favorite poet pretty regularly. That's Alfred Tennyson. Uh, her father died, uh, which seems to have a lingering effect on Ashley's psyche, her character development, and I would guess her spirituality. Um, so she sense. talks about she talks about her father, um, but she does talk about Alfred Tennyson far more. And, and for me, having an experience with a parent who's passed away, I can see in the writing now that I believe the writers were trying to, the way that Ashley talks about Alfred Tennyson, Bringing up the quotes from his poetry,
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: it's a vector for remembering her father.
2: Yeah, it's a way to still feel connected.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not about poetry. It's not about Alfred Lord Tennyson. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's about her father, Um, and you know, uh, she is the oldest of four daughters. Uh, She also tells us that. Her sisters are Abby, Lynn and Sarah, and she helped to raise her sisters and she still gives that kind of adulting advice to them from time to time, even from aboard the Normandy. Uh, So we learn so much about Ashley's family and we learn these incredibly like, you know, minute details like her father brewed his own beer mm-hmm. uh, and was a proficient saxophonist you know <laughs> right. so these, these are things that like I was, I was racking my brain about other Mass Effect squad mates do we learn really extremely
2: detailed things like that about the other ones yeah. and I just don't know yeah, like deep, um, these these feel like deep, intimate family things, not like, oh, this person served on this planet for this many years. And, you know, they used to do this as a job, you know, like n- these are like deep familiar things like these are like this is the real kinds of stuff that comes up as you develop in a relationship with somebody. And you're like, oh, yeah, my dad plays saxophone. You know, I grew up yeah. listening to him. That's why I like this musician or, or this poet in this you know example.
3: Yeah, and I think I think that serves to bring the, the player closer to Ashley uh, in a faster turnaround because, you know, it is a very short period of time that they are spending on the Normandy in Mass Effect 1. Um, but it's also these details, like we've said so many other times before, that bring a game's lore to life, that make the the, the squadmates feel alive, that, that they're not just, you know, a a character rap sheet, you know, uh, that they are an actual person. And so some details that we learn about Ashley are also kind of inconsistent, I've learned. When I was doing the research, Mm. I came across this one place. So some of these next details might sound surprising since this is the only place I could find them. Where they came from was a codex entry, not in the game, but on the old official Bioware community website. It's now defunct. It doesn't. It doesn't really work anymore. They discontinued it, but it was official. And again, the site was canon. It was owned by Bioware. It's just not running anymore. So I'd, I'd still consider what was on it to be canon too. However, I did find some inconsistencies. And and here's what I found there. Number one, the planet where she was born is named Serona, which is located within the local cluster. So it would make sense. You know, I, I saw that and immediately thought it would make sense for a military family active in humanity's early colonization era to have a home base close to Earth.
2: Yeah, I would imagine almost every early colonized location would have some sort of military presence.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and especially with what we know about how often humanity was butting heads with the Batarians, mm-hmm. with hum, human space being, you know, bordered right there uh, next to the Scallion Verge. And, you know, we also learned this interesting fact, which I did a little bit of research and I was like, there had to been a there had to been a reason here. But her middle name apparently is Madeline. So it's Ashley Madeline Williams. And I was like, well, that's interesting because Ashley Williams, of course, we, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead, that's what I thought. But then I was like, well, where, where did Madeline come from? And then I thought about her poetry and what is important to her. What does she bring up? And it turns out that Madeline is the name of one of Alfred Tennyson's early poems. There you go. And I did a little bit of more research on top of that. And I found that Ashley, so Alfred Lord Tennyson, for those who don't know, was a very famous poet. And I guess in his early poetry, he had a pretty dominant, dominant stories of of the femme fatale. He had his own brand of the femme fatale. Mm. And uh, I found it really interesting that that was, you know, integral to his early poetry and then, you know, we have Ashley Madeline Williams, who is this no nonsense, you know, rock'em sock'em uh gunnery <laughs> chief.
2: And- yeah. Badass. Hot lady, yeah.
3: yeah, sassy, badassy, and yeah. with a sleek chassis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yep.
1: And and so I
3: found this I found this uh, Reddit thread where this person you know kind of elaborates on on Tennyson's poetry and uh, the fact that she's religious. This user says and suspicious of other species are edges of her character that are supposed to make her difficult to like, especially considering the target group of people science fiction games are marketed to. Mm-hmm. And that makes a ton of sense, yeah. Um, especially in the frame in the in the in the frame of of who Ashley is, and it makes extra sense since her father loved Tennyson. If her father, you know, you're thinking of this like real life. If 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 a father loves Tennyson, it would make sense why he would name his, his give his daughter a middle name uh, of one of his favorite poems. Maybe sure,
2: yeah, yeah. Like he couldn't convince the wife to like do the first name, but can, can we use it for the middle? <laughs> I really Please. just like this yeah. name for some reason. Okay. just yeah, some reason. <laughs> for some reason, yeah.
3: Yeah, and then Ashley's mom is like, you've been reading a, a lot of Tennyson again, haven't
2: you? <laughs> <laughs> I see yeah. you taking those poetry books to the bathroom with you. <laughs> 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 now we got images of Ashley's dad pooping. Yeah, taking <laughs> a poop, and he's
3: like, that's it.
2: That's the name. He's having an emotional moment with a poem while also <laughs> squeezing one out yeah you think he's crying,
3: or does he close the book slowly and look up with like a resolve?
2: <laughs> well, he's also greeting his like lower lip while he's like really trying to get a mm. trying to get a rough one out there, but feeling it <laughs> both ways at <laughs> the same time mm.
3: oh i if Ashley were a real person, she wouldn't forgive us uh for that uh, <laughs> no, no, she, no we wouldn't live this down no. uh uh-uh. she could she she would probably give us a nice worded email, uh, a <laughs> blunt one at that. But um, speaking of, of Ashley and Earth, uh, it appears that Ashley began her alliance training facility uh, or at a facility rather in Brazil. Now, this is according to the same site, uh, the same now defunct website. And, and I thought immediately that's pretty similar to Admiral Hackett. Right. Who was yeah. also uh, training in South America. Yeah. You would and assume this, it's probably the same facility. It could be. Yeah. Uh, it is the same facility where Shepard trains. Mm. So and in fact, they know the same drill instructor. Uh, there LSO. go. So so this combined with the in school, you know, the, the school that gives out the in designations, how Shepard got the in seven uh, with the in school's location, It makes me wonder if the Alliance was particularly concentrated in South America. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems like it. I mean, at least this would indicate that they had a heavy presence there. Um, Now, we know from dialogue in the game that Ashley had considerable experience and training before teaming up with Shepard. But according to that official Bioware community site, her training included zero-G combat on an orbital platform around Earth, and hostile environmental assault training on Saturn's moon Titan. The cool. site says that she got a commendation for a quote bold assault technique in a field <laughs> exercise in a field exercise simulating attacks on Turian defensive points. See, this is interesting to me because let's assume that Ashley is 18 years old when she's in that training, right? 18 or 19. Right. She right. was born in 2158. So that would put the year around 2174. So in 2174, the Alliance is still conducting training exercises in which the enemy are the Turians.
2: Are Turians, yeah.
3: That's well after the First Contact War.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it would make sense. They were considered a very dangerous foe. They are still on terms where they're not 100% sure about their trustworthiness. Like, You would maintain a certain amount of like, preparation just in case. I, I suppose so.
3: I was also pretty interested in the fact that it wasn't a Batarian uh, defensive point, mm-hmm. that they didn't, with the Skillian Blitz uh, around the same time, and tensions certainly having heated up for a while. Yeah. You would well, have guessed that maybe the Batarians would have been the uh,
2: training enemy, but it's a, it's a Turian defensive point. So. Right. Well, and it is only one mention of this specific commendation on this specific simulation. They might have been running simulations against every major alien threat. And this is just That's the one true. where she got the bold assault technique commendation. That's true. I'd like to sign up for
3: the uh, training against the Hanar. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know what that would be like. I feel like you just sit on a pontoon boat fishing, you know?
2: Yeah. Yes. Just make friends. Cast- just make
3: friends. Slowly. Casting your rod uh, yeah. over the over the bow of the ship. And you just sit there and you're like, hey, I caught a Hanar.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to like fish it with them like buddies.
3: <laughs> oh no! I meant because they're not fishing for, for
2: them. I get you. Is the, the military not particularly training. threatening? But okay, like we just you just become friends with them and go on fishing trips. That's how we deal with them from the military standpoint. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: and then I don't I don't know if I'd want to go fishing with a Hanar. They're so excessively polite right. that sitting on a boat with them with a beer I don't think would be fun. Well,
2: that's why it requires training. Because you just have to like, you have to force yourself to do it.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of brow rubbing and going.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, when will this? St- I've already heard the story. When will it end? Okay. Yeah. Uh, another beer? Cool. <laughs> I need one That's last it. time. Thanks. This one went fishing. It was with this one's spirit family. Oh God! Oh, oh. Tell me more. Tell me more yeah. about that, good friend. Yay! Good buddy. I'll pass you a second, a fourth, a seventeenth beer. Let's just keep hanging out.
3: I don't even think he's drinking them. I think he's just (laughs) holding them with the tentacles. There's just Um, one
2: one in a tentacle, and then the one with a fishing rod. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even drink. It just holds. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, Maybe the
2: Volus training
3: would be like going to a bowling alley.
2: (laughs) Bowling alley.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, No. All right. I feel like we we're off track. I mean, yeah, this is <laughs> this this horse is dead. <laughs> yeah, because we've beaten it. Yes. Um, yes, it's our fault. But uh, Ashley, apparently, and this was surprising to me. According to this site, Ashley has genetic enhancements, which is surprising. You know, given her moral code, given her traditional religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, the, the enhancements aren't anything major. So according to the site. Ashley was given vision correction in, in utero because her mother's side was predisposed to nearsightedness. Okay, that would have been nice to get. I, I would sure. have enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> no more contacts for me. But later in life, Ashley received a Class B Alliance Infantry upgrade package. Hmm. I don't. It, it, we never really get an elaboration on what exactly that is. So. It is apparently standard to genetically upgrade service members, but to what extent, I don't know. Um, so I can, that's, that's I can see
2: that being a thing, but yeah, uh, without other details, like what does that actually mean? Does, like, More resilient get a, muscle fibers, maybe. Like higher levels of uh, oxygen in the blood, you know, like w- what is it that's actually happening there, yeah. Right, I don't know. Maybe it's like
3: lung, lung expansions. You get larger lungs. I don't know mm-hmm. That 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 be wild. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the site, the site also goes on to say that Ashley was a proficient marksman and continuously received high marks from instructors and fellow squad mates for her leadership ability, both throughout her training and subsequent service. Uh, Private Neerala Bhatia Batia according to the site, praised her focus on team building exercises and, quote, tough but fair discipline. (laughs) And... That name, Norali Bhatia might sound familiar because it is one of the very first side quests that we get in Mass Effect 1. You get to the, the Citadel and you walk out of the embassy and a uh distressed man approaches Shepard and says, "Hey, you know, uh, my wife was killed and the alliance is not they're holding her body. They won't they won't allow us to have a proper burial." Mm-hmm. That was Norali Bhatia. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that private served in Ashley's unit. And Ashley has some unique dialogue on that mission. So if you haven't taken her, I would highly suggest taking her.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So we know she's a great Marine. High, uh, high scores. People say nice things about her in lots of different ways. Um, why wasn't she sent to become an N7 then? Like, why didn't she have a high-profile assignment? Because Eden Prime was supposed to be a peaceful planet? And that's where we find her like is that the
3: yeah i mean that's a great question and, and then the answer is something we hear from ash herself when she tells Shepard about her issues with advancement in the alliance we also see it in a firsthand uh flashback she has from one of the comics uh, mass effect foundation her grandfather was general williams he surrendered to the Turians when they occupied Shanxi during the first contact war. So that's the short answer. She serves on multiple infantry assignments that are rear guard posts, aka there's no combat experience really available there. Mm. Uh, and and her being a first in the fight kind of mentality, uh, rifleman through and through, that doesn't Ash is not down with that. It's not particularly a great detail, but she applies to transfer to better, more active ones. So it's not through any lack of effort or ambition that Ashley isn't able to get that combat experience or that advance in prestige within the military because she is continually passed over for these opportunities by superiors. Why? Well, It goes back to that stain on her family reputation. Um, yeah, nobody wants and, a
2: saxophone player in the military.
3: Oh, yeah. It's highly, highly brass and drum and no wind instruments. And that's it.
2: <laughs> that's it. That's it. Electric guitar. That's cool, too. We'll
3: take no, it. No tolerance for wind instruments. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's, it, it goes back to her grandfather, General Williams. Uh, and so and although we hear this pretty quickly in the first game, I think the impact of this isn't really felt. It's not really seen. From Ashley's point of view, until you read the the comic Mass
2: Effect Foundation number three, which details just how Ashley lost her squad on Eden Prime. All right. So we need to go take a mid break. But when we get back, we'll uncover the details about what happened to Ashley before running into Shepard and the crew of the Normandy. So don't go anywhere.
3: Message coming in.
2: I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love
0: patch it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that.
2: All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our new patrons, including Stephen P. And, oh, God, I'm going to... Oh, no, it's just Parachute Cannon. Parachute Cannon. I saw a big, long... It's all one word, and I was like, oh, I'm going to mess this one up. But it's Parachute Cannon. Parachute Cannon, Stephen, Stephen P. And, um... Uh, all the rest of our patrons. Thank you so much for your support. We have a total of 63 right now. 63 patrons. You guys are amazing. And Commander Shepherds, Colin, or I'm sorry, Colcashins, I'm messing up names. <laughs> Captain Shanko, Kira, Lieutenant Tosino, Pipe Pipeman, big bills 63 thank you so much to all of you guys and all the rest of the patrons we couldn't do this without you guys we really do appreciate your support if you are interested in checking out the patreon head over to patreon.com mass effect lorecast where you can sign up you can join us for our patron chat episodes at the end of every month we've got one coming up in two weeks we're currently recording right now on the 15th so that means on the 29th in just two weeks. You've got time to sign up and join us for that and uh, We'd love to we'd love to chat with you We always have a lot of fun with you guys on those episodes and we if you've got some opinions and you want to share them You don't you don't even have to wait till you're like all caught up on the show I know some people will like binge the show and they will go all the way through and then they'll sign up Like you can if you just want to join us now You don't have to like have heard the other episodes yet because each topic is kind of self-contained So feel free to just jo- jump in we'd love to have you um, also Uh, If you'd like to help us out, there's another way you can do it. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. If you leave us a five star rating and some words, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show or a rating on Spotify. Both of those things are very helpful in getting this out there to other people, along with just telling your friends or your family. If you have other people in your life that enjoy Mass Effect and would love to dive into the lore, let them know. We'd really appreciate the help with that.
3: So and, uh, you know, speaking of reviews, I didn't write any in the notes, but I realize now that there was a five star review that came Men. oh from so,
2: spain yeah because we we have to go back in time yeah normally i only look back the last week but you're right there is one from spain this one is from charlie bucks and it says a must listen for mass effect fans five stars great show love your dynamics and conversations it's really a great way to enjoy the mass effect lore i hope the podcast goes on for a long time greetings from spain hello hello from spain That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that as well. Um, But that's uh, that's what we got going on here. Also, we'd love to have you join us on the discord chat with us on there. Join me or Sam in our live streams on Twitch and seven, the legend for him. Robots radio for me. Join us on the live shows. Lots of ways to engage with us and all of this stuff. So we'd love to we'd love to get to know you. So come come join us. All right. Let's move on with the rest of the show.
0: Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought.
2: So, Sam, you said that Mass Effect Foundation tells the story of Ashley before we meet her in Mass Effect 1. So how much of her story do we get and where where does it start? So it's told it's told largely through a flashback.
3: Um, And the flashback starts because a Cerberus operative none other than Maya Brooks from the Mass Effect 3's uh, Citadel DLC. She poses as an Alliance psychologist and approaches and then interviews Ashley on the Citadel saying that she wants to know more about her experience, uh, losing her squad to the Geth, to determine whether or not she's still fit for duty. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So in in reality, Service is trying to gain intel. Uh, And this actually happens while she, Caden, and Shepard are on the Citadel in the Presidium perusing. Uh, But Caden is with Ashley, but I don't know where Shepard was. Shepard was not in any of the frames. Uh, so maybe, maybe Shepard's off shopping, maybe Shepard's off and admonishing some preaching Hanar. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, th- this is clearly when Shepard was busy doing something and then, and then Cerberus poached one of their, uh, squad mates. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you can see actually the preaching Hanar in one of those panels, which is pretty hilarious to me. Uh, so Ash believes Brooks um, I guess doesn't see through the facade, uh, and Brooks is is also known as Rasa. Uh, however, introduces herself as Captain Ch- Captain Channing, I think. Uh, but re- so Ashley recounts this whole story to who she believes is Captain Channing. It starts with Ashley's unit, the Second Frontier Division's 212, on shore leave, and they're knocking back some drinks in a bar. And soon, you know, soon, very soon after that, locker room jokes start and, you know, the, the, the male members of her squad are like uh, hitting on her, busting her balls. And Ash's fellow squad mate, who is aptly named Donkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because he's an ass, yeah. Uh, yeah. he starts hitting on her. Uh, but as predicted, Ashley just gives it right back to him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because Ashley is, you know, she's very blunt. She's sarcastic and she's very, you know, when you fuck with me, I'll I'll put you in your place. Yeah, she's going to stand up for herself. Yeah. Right. Right. She's not afraid of him. Uh, and then their CEO walks in and all of a sudden, okay, no more party. No more shore leave. Uh, time to get down to business. So something has happened, and a Prothean beacon has been found at a dig site, and they need to go secure it before they think Terminus system raiders or pirates might catch word, and then try and come and get the beacon, and maybe kill some people in the process. So the CO puts a team together. So is Ashley leading the team? You would think so, given the high praise that she's received from her squad mates and instructors, but no. Here's where we see quote firsthand. I say quote firsthand because it's still her own recountance of the, the events, the animosity that has thrown her away from her grandfather's decision. The commanding officer puts another guy in charge, Donkey. Oh, jeez. <laughs> puts Donkey in charge. You never lead with the Donkey. Um, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he put Donkey in charge, and Donkey is not not shy about him thinking like he doesn't conceal that he thinks it should be Ashley instead. Basically just says, you know, you sure? Uh, Ashley's kind of the better soldier here. Uh, While the the CEO says to Ashley, you know why I'm not putting you in charge? Your friends might not see it, but I do. You can't escape your past, Williams. Mm. Which at first seems so cheesy, you know, oh, you can't escape your
2: past. Right. It sounds like something you write in a in a dialogue for a story, but never actually say in real life. Yeah. Right.
3: It's just, you know, characters, unspoken, mysterious past, but this one actually is explained. So it's very clear right away, uh, where, you know, she's not even making eye contact in the panel and it's clear that she's being passed up for this potential combat experience opportunity. Because her superiors are afraid that she might surrender to the invading alien force, just mm. like her grandfather did. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It, I don't really think this is fair to hold her accountable.
2: Not at all. Like that. Like it, cl- Yeah, clearly. Like, she's a different person. Just because her grandfather made a mistake doesn't mean she's going to make the same mistake. You know, like, you know, this is yeah. one of those story things where it's like it makes more sense for the character to fear being like their parents or grandparents than somebody else fearing that for them? Yes.
3: And I thought the same thing, but racism is a hell of an X factor.
2: Yeah. And
3: I think, you know, with the first contact war being fresh in the minds of now the old, uh, the old commanding officers who fought in that war, and now they're old, they're gray-haired, they're grizzled. Uh, and they still have those really racist, uh, xenophobic views of the aliens, and they're like, "Man, I can't believe that this General Williams would surrender to these bird people." Yeah, you know. Right. Um, and so I wonder how much of of, of that has to play in it. Um, but but like you said about Ashley, on Ashley's end, can you imagine the psychological impact that that would have, being continuously? Passed over for a promotion or any opportunity for advancement to prove yourself, yeah. just because of something your grandfather did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be rage-inducing. Oh yeah, you'd get yeah. you'd get a
3: hell of a chip on your shoulder, right? Oh sure, sure. I think anyone would. Uh, and I think that this, this uh, speaking of the chip on the shoulder, I think it shapes Ash's attitude of having something to prove. Ashley constantly acts like, you know, she has this tough exterior, but, but she has something to prove. She has to be better than the best. Uh, and she also, it's, it's coupled with this martyr complex that I think we get from Ashley a lot. You know, she's willing to fall on her sword for the greater benefit of the team. But where is that coming from? Is it because she feels that, I think she feels guilt. Mm-hmm. And I think she feels like she has something to atone for. Yeah, uh, I can see that. So, and and Shepard can have a very frank discussion with her about this after the events of Vermeer, where if you choose to sacrifice Caden, she will lament the fact that it wasn't her, hmm. and she'll basically, you know, bring up that she could have atoned and blah blah. And Shepard uh, can snap and, and just be like, you know, damn it, when are you going to get your head out of your ass? <laughs> right. That you're not going to save anyone by killing yourself. And you know, Shepard can reassure her and, and say, you know, it was my call. It's not your call. It's my call. And you can still do good while you're alive. But she does have this martyr complex, I think
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, and so you know uh, she's passed over for this for this opportunity yet again, and uh, so donkey becomes in charge of the squad and then and then they start going, uh, and on top of that, hers is the only squad within the two one two unit who has to walk to the dig site on foot. Huh. everyone else gets a transport,
2: yeah that's messed up.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, unless there's this,
2: a strategic reason to do so. But if it's just like, you guys walk, the rest <laughs> of us are taking a ride. Yeah, they asked, uh, so they asked Donkey in, in the
3: in the comic, they were like, you know, what is, why? Why are we doing this? Why does everyone else get a tra- transport? And his simple answer is orders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Those are the orders. Yeah,
2: no, all know. of this just is very simple writing that points to the leadership is, Jerks and being no, punitive. Yeah, there's no real reason for this, and it would be a
3: strategic way to get everyone else in the squad to hate Ashley. You
0: sure. know what I mean? Sure. If they
3: were all acutely aware, yeah. we're all being punished for you. you yeah, right. So mm-hmm. it, to how to how to turn a group on an individual. Um, I've had some teachers like that growing up. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and screw those teachers but anyway
2: yeah yeah um yeah they punish the whole class they're like if everyone's not quiet then everybody has to do this and then the one person talks and they're like all right everyone's getting punished because they think right. there's social pressure around that so like but the kid who gets punished doesn't care like right it just it just punishes other everyone else yeah totally
3: yeah i think there's i think people that do that are probably on a power trip um yeah, but probably. You know, on, So on top of that, they have to walk to this, trans, this dig site on foot. And then eventually, Ash's squad finds another group of their unit shot dead. And Ashley observes that this must have happened quickly because they didn't even have time to draw their weapons. Hmm. And then Donkey sees what's going on and basically wipes his hands clean. And he sees that things are about to hit the fan and he relinquishes command to Ashley. And you know, it says you're in charge. You know, you're the better soldier. I can't you know handle
2: this. I don't want to die. Ex- you lead exactly.
3: Us. Yeah. Uh, and immediately, Ashley assumes command. No, no second thought. You know, we need to do this. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ash's unit then decides that they're going to scout, and they scout up ahead and they see what they think are mechs, but eventually they get spotted. Right at the same time that they realize that it's Geth. Mm. And they're like, well, wait a second. The Geth haven't been outside of their their section of space, the Perseus Vale, and I don't know how long. What are they doing here at a, at a human colony? Yeah. This is unprecedented. The Geth have never attacked a human colony before. Right. Uh, and so they kind of have to like get positive identification on this target because what they're seeing is kind of unbelievable.
2: Oh yeah, like, uh, it requires like solid confirmation. Right. Right. Yeah. And so she leads.
3: She, she gets spotted, there's a geth drone that starts chasing her, <clears throat> and then soon other geth are chasing her, and she leads the pursuing geth into an ambush that she has set up from her own squad. So it's pretty, pretty genius tactical maneuver there, um, but even with the element of surprise and sur- surrounding the enemy, they're just absolutely ripped apart. She tells one of her fellow squad hey, we gotta send out a, ra- a radio warning, we have to tell the others before it's too late. And in fact, this is the very same radio warning and and video message warning that we see from aboard the Normandy in the very beginning of Mass Effect 1. Oh. It goes something like, you know, we're under attack, taking heavy casualties. I repeat, taking heavy casualties. This is the same warning. It's from Ashley's unit. Oh, that's cool. And and Ashley in the comic is depicted as being directly off screen from that video warning. Uh So she's just to the left or or so. and. Unfortunately, you know, they, at least they got the warning off in time and, and the Normandy received the warning. But everyone is killed except Ashley. And so poor, donkey.
2: <laughs> poor, poor, <laughs> poor donkey. Poor donkey. Poor <laughs> donkey. I mean, OK. Yeah, poor donkey. <laughs> I guess you could say that ass bit the dust. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: uh, I'll be here all week. Um no, but there's this moment in in the comic that I found to be pretty great. And I'm not a huge comic reader, mm-hmm. but I loved this moment. Everyone's dead. Ashley's the only one left. She's taking cover behind this rock. And there's this moment where she's getting surrounded. Her cover is just getting nailed by a barrage of energy blasts. Mm-hmm. And the artwork is just insane. The artwork looks so gritty and action packed and great. And it like sets the environment of what Ashley must be feeling. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff is, it's basically the walls are closing in on Ashley. And I think she knows she's gonna die. And and it all happens so quickly. And she, and, and what does she do? She prays. She, it's just as a, just a short one, you know, God, throw me a bone here. And knowing Ashley and her, her, you know, uh, spirituality and her religiousness, I don't think she was just exclaiming like, Oh God, no, this no, was
2: sincere. I, this was, this, this is, this is her speaking sincerely to her, her God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, I, we have some of the images here. I'm going to pull these up. Uh, and if you want to chime in on some of them, here's the, the yeah, first one with the, um, her jumping through the
3: blasts? Yeah, so the, the her jumping through the blasts, that's immediately after this scene that I'm talking about, uh, where the, she was surrounded, and her cover's getting nailed by this barrage of energy blasts, but then in one of the best illustrated panels I think I've ever seen, uh, there's a panel right before that, mm-hmm. where it's a close-up of her face, and- uh, Is it this one? Sh- I
2: don't she know if refuses- you can see it on screen. Uh, okay. Okay, good luck, Chief. You were right. Uh, no, Don't, no, it's no, the one weird. with
3: the blue in it uh, okay. of her face. It says, oh.
2: uh, it can't, yeah. Uh, I can't, actually, this one, yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's one of the best illustrated panels I think I've ever seen. Ashley says, you know, God, throw me a bone here. Uh, and then she seemingly refuses to accept that rock as her grave, saying, it can't end like this. Mm-hmm. It can't. Mm-hmm. And she exclaims, it can't. And then she jumps from the rock and the the one where she's leaping through the blasts like you had shown, that happens immediately afterwards. She she plows through, you know, a few geth fighting them head on Um, and she lunges from the rock amid heavy fire uh, from the geth and single handedly fights off several of them shouting, I will not yield. (laughs) And I will not yield. I thought that's pretty poetic for something to exclaim in the heat of action, right? Uh, why would they include "I will not yield"? Ah, and then it, it goes back. It goes back to her affinity for poetry, uh, which you know it immediately reminded me of some of the poems that she recites to Shepard, from *Invictus* to *Ulysses*. In *Invictus*, you know, in the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced uh, nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. And that, you know, equivocates perfectly to what she's feeling right here in in less of a spiritual way, more of a physical way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in Ulysses, you know, the ending of Ulysses, one equal temper of heroic hearts made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. I will not yield, yeah. The final word of her father's favorite poem yield. Right. And she says, I will not yield. And so that, that, that uh, last one from Ulysses, Ash recites to Shepherd. And when you think about the fact that Ashley knows it from memory, she knows this poem by, from heart and the significance that it has had in her own life very recently. And you put the pieces together that Tennyson was her late father's favorite poet, To the point where she she memorized Ulysses and you can see that she drew inspiration from it to survive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah from the poem
2: and the connection to her father yes all summed up in
3: one yeah yeah exactly and so that that, so that kind of like when
2: people criticize Ashley for bringing up the poetry for sounding pretentious it's not it's not about being pretentious this isn't about like I am educated I will poem now You know, right? And let
3: me recite Dante's Inferno in its
2: original Italian. Because it feels like I'm in hell in this moment. Yeah, like no, no, (laughs) that's not what she's doing, right?
3: No, no, and yeah, and so I push back against that, and I think it's a very subtle detail that the writers threw in there, Um, but it, but it's a very powerful one, and Mm -hmm. I think it's beautifully written because only a real human being would make those connections, right? Right. Not some fictional character or not a computer would draw emotional inspiration from that kind of emotionally tied memory.
2: Right. It feels um, very real for the character. It also feels like a really good way of writing more about the character when you're the writers, from like a meta perspective of going, okay, what things does she care about? Who is she? What what gets to the soul of this character? This does. These poems, her connection to her family, her her being misunderstood and mistreated, her duty, her willingness to struggle through even when things look like they're at an end, and then you sum all that up and you go, okay, this would be a really wonderful story to help people understand who this person is. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what they do. Yeah, You know, you don't need to
3: go over chapters of history to understand who someone is. Right, um, right, you, gotta, you and, just have to get to their soul. Like, this is, and, this is her soul. And this is like you know the Mass Effect Foundation comic I'm talking about. This is like an eight-page comic, if that, maybe seven-page. It's not much, but it does so much to illustrate who she is. Yeah. Uh, And you combine it with the other knowledge that you get from having played the games, and you just get this uh, full-rounded picture. But you know, um, I digress. She does survive. You know, she plows through the Geth. She runs from some pursuing drones, and she runs right into Shepard becoming the sole survivor of the Second Frontier Divisions Unit 212. So in this way, I think she and a sole survivor shepherd you know, you pick the sole survivor background for Shepard, yeah. inherently understand each other on a level that no one else can.
2: Right. I mean, they were basically there together in a way. Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. They've both been in those different situations and they were there together. And especially if you picked your background to be a colonist, soul survivor, shepherd, then you've essentially lived a very similar life to Ashley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, you don't have to romance to, to you don't have to romance Ashley. I think to have that that level of bonding, uh, trauma bonds people in a way that can bring people together with seemingly you know two people with very little in common, mm-hmm. and it can turn them into lifelong friends and allies and like champions for each other. And Ashley is one of those for Shepard. You know a lot a lot of people give Garrus the credit here. A lot of people say Garrus is my ride or die. Garrus is like that, but so is Ashley.
2: Yeah. Well, Garrus is such a cool character design. And like you said before, for the sci-fi crowd to have a cool alien character to glom to rather than just another human, you know, there's going to be a little bit of that going on as well. But, you know, arguably Ashley
3: is the female equivalent of Garrus, because think about it. She's extremely skilled with assault rifles and snipers. Mm -hmm. She's she's got that deadpan snark. And she's got a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a renegade edge to keep (laughs) you kind of like, you know, and she's blunt. She's sarcastic. And she's been through it. She's she's like, you know, I I don't want to say chaotic good. She's neutral good. She she you know, she Mm -hmm. does good how she sees fit, regardless of the rules. And she's not going to kowtow her morals to Shepard just because, just to please Shepard's point of view. Mm. Like there are several points where, if you if you do a renegade thing or you just do something that really upsets her, she'll let you know, mm. even though you're her <laughs> commanding officer. Right. Um, right. And, and so, yeah, I think Ashley is definitely that for Shepard. Um, and I think there's a there's an argument to be made that Ashley is the you know the the, fe- the female equivalent of Garrus in a way. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get some pushback on that because, you know, Ashley, what did fulfill something of the, um, the trope of being a noble bigot in the very beginning, you know, uh, before the character development arc and everything took play, but, but she is the human, human female equivalent, I think of Garrus. And I think that is, that might shed some light as to why the people who romanced Ashley feel just as ardent about their romance of Ashley as the people who, who, who kind of stand for Garris. Um, the one thing I will say, though, <clears throat> that is sorely lacking from Ashley's character is so much of her character development was locked behind romance. Mm. So much of those dialogue options you just couldn't get unless you were going to romance her. Yeah, so if you and don't do
2: that, then you don't learn this stuff. Exactly, and that,
3: yeah. that applies to Fimshep. Fimshep cannot romance Ashley. right. Right, so, so you never was get that no perspective on her, yeah. Right, so I think <clears throat> there's not an equivalent strong sisterhood with Ashley, as there is a bromance with with Garrus and Shepard. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, because you learn more about his character. Yeah, that makes right. sense. That makes sense. And, you know, soul survivor or not, maybe this is why I feel like Ashley is a great romance option for Shepard, because she isn't some damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously well, I'm she's a peer.
2: She's a she's a peer. Right. Like, right. Like healthy relationships are built built around mutual respect. Right. Exactly. And, and they both can they stand eye to eye in their history in the things they've gone through in the struggles in their uh, their commitment to duty and like their mentalities. So many ways they stand together. As yeah, peers.
3: and and that's remarkable because of the difference in, in, in rank. You know, yeah. Shepherd Far outranks Ashley, mm-hmm. and yet there there is this this uh, level of equality at least in how they address each other. Um, she isn't some damsel in distress, like I said. You know, she's not young or naive. Um, she's relatively young, but you know, she's twenty five. But she, she's only um, four years younger than Shepherd. Like, right, It's right. not that much. It's just four years younger than Shepherd, and it, and she doesn't have the. Um, the naivete that Tally does. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have the, oh, I'm getting the vapors that Liara <laughs> does, you know?
2: Right, right. She doesn't have those things. <laughs> Southern Belle. Southern <laughs> I mean, Belle Liara. Let's, I mean, <laughs> Southern oh, Bell goodness Liara. me, the vapors. <laughs> Shepard, <laughs> well, I do declare. <laughs> I think
3: Southern Bell Liara needs to be its own cosplay. Oh, God, uh, yeah. But but my point stands, you know. She doesn't need saving. She's not this deer in the headlights where Shepard can fulfill a savior complex. Mm -hmm. But she is a loyal ally, who's just as likely to call you out for doing something morally wrong, as she is to cover your six and fight like hell, when the Mm -hmm. going gets tough. Uh, You know, she's this champion. She's a valkyrie who I, as a player, never doubted was strong enough to pick up Shepard
2: when they fell down. So. You like her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get a I, sense I think, here that you might, I, you I might think, think she's I, cool.
3: I've, I have shed the veil of impartiality for this episode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that anyone listening to this would, would uh, second guess whether or not I, I like Ashley. And if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten to this point and you're like, well, why haven't they addressed some of the obvious character flaws that are so prevalent in online discussions of Ashley? We will. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. those are more personality traits uh, that we will get into in the next episode because we've just gone over her background, you know, and how she teamed up with the Normandy. But next, you know, we are going to dive into personality and those allegations of being a space racist and and what I believe is an often overlooked redemption arc for Ashley. So if uh I guess if you want to hear that part, uh, don't, don't speak too soon. Don't, don't get angry and leave a review.
2: It's coming. I promise. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, this is, we've been almost an hour and a half on this episode. This is a big long episode instead of two episodes this week, we may be shifting back to doing one episode a week. So, or maybe we're going to do some bonus episodes about some more gamey stuff, you know, uh, we've been talking about it and we're throwing around some ideas of ways to kind of change up the show, keep things fresh. So stay tuned for that stuff. So this week you got this longer episode. We hope you tune in next week for some more Ashley and uh, Sam, you got anything else going on that you want to share before we head out?
3: Well, yeah, like you said, uh, we're talking about maybe making the second ha- the second half of these episodes a bonus episode. We are we're shooting some ideas about mods, about uh, you know mods in general, or maybe the listeners here would like to hear more about specific mods in Mass Effect uh, that we could review week by week, and then those would be significantly lower, you know, uh, l- shorter episodes, yeah. maybe eight eight to twelve minutes. Little and, bonus,
2: little bonus things you know, that work good as videos, but also would show up on the feed, that kind of thing. Right, yeah.
3: exactly. They'd go on YouTube, and you could see gameplay of the mods if you wanted. Um, and so we'd like to hear about that. Um, so I got that going on. And then, of course, I'm starting my new job here soon. So so I, I was meaning to talk to you about maybe we can shift the schedule for when we're live here, which yeah. would ultimately yeah. you know, shift when we're publishing these episodes. Uh, because I do get my weekends back now. Nice. So I have, mo- I have a Monday through Friday job again. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've got that going on, but I will be streaming, you know, uh, same schedule. I'm going to try and make it the same schedule still, uh, with Saturdays being reserved for sassy Shep Saturdays, mm-hmm. uh, and then having the miscellaneous Mondays. Haven't been able to do, to do that in a little while. And Thursdays being, uh, Dragon Age, the Us Thursdays. Um, and if you want to find any of my streams or interact with me, you can find me on Twitch at n seven, the legend, same handle on Twitter
2: yeah and come join me on twitch at twitch.tv slash robots radio playing games chatting with you guys doing all sorts of fun stuff and streaming other shows you can check out all my other shows everything from fallout to elder scrolls to the lord of the rings to the witcher lots of different lore casts out there all of that stuff and the other shows on the network which include stuff about Mass Effect and all sorts of other things at robotsradio.net. Go check that stuff out. And thanks for tuning in, chat. Thank you for being here. Love to have the comments uh, and you guys here for the live shows. Thank you for all of your support. We really do appreciate it. And stay safe out there. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast, or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.